Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. Good evening, church. We are back at it in 1 Corinthians. Tonight's focus is confined to just three verses. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, verse 10, and verse 11. Three terrible, three glorious verses. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 to 11. It reads as follows. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And I spend a moment in prayer. O Lord, may my words be your words tonight. Confine, restrict my tongue to speak none but your truth. Show us your ways, show us your holiness. Give us a picture of your divine character. Show us our Savior, Jesus Christ. Remind us of our salvation. Conform us to your image. Save souls tonight, Lord, I ask. I ask this, I pray this. Do these things according to your will, Lord. Amen. Quick intro. Tonight we're going to speak about an exclusive inheritance. This inheritance is not for everyone, it's exclusive. In memory of Pastor Jabu, while he enjoys his life on a beach somewhere, we're going to use a soccer analogy. Now, once a year, a bunch of people get together, mostly a bunch of journalists, and they vote. And they decide who is the best soccer player in the world. Now, there's a process to this. The beginning of the process is that a list of 30 people is released. And these are the top 30 players in the world. It's an exclusive list. That list came out this last weekend. And in a few weeks' time, there's going to be a ceremony, and the top, top player in the world will be named. And that's also an exclusive award. Now, it's exclusive. I won't mention any names, but some people's favorite player didn't make this top 30 list. It's exclusive. They can only be a top 30. They can only be a top one. Now, I only have two points tonight. My first point, the kingdom of God is exclusive. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Who are the unrighteous? He's going to give us an extensive list of who they are in a minute. It is an extensive list. It is a terrible list, but it is not an exhaustive list. 
Now, what do I mean by that? Unrighteousness is not limited to just this list. The point isn't that we take out our notepads and see which one of these things we've committed, and if we don't think we've committed any of them, we are on our way to heaven. We're getting this inheritance. That's not the point. (laughs) The point is, the point is that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do you not know? Of course they know. This is a rhetorical, sarcastic question that Paul is asking them. In Acts 18, it tells us that Paul spent one and a half years among them preaching the word of God. In one and a half years of preaching and teaching, not only on a Sunday like we do it, almost on a daily basis, do you think Paul forgot to tell them the wages of sin are death? No, of course they know. They have the knowledge. They've just stopped applying it. They have the knowledge, but they have been deceived into thinking that the knowledge is either untrue or irrelevant. Now, what does it matter, you may ask? What's the big deal? So what if the church has some wonky ideas about who gets to go to heaven? Surely it doesn't affect their ministry that much. Well, Paul says that it does. This exclusivity of the inheritance of the kingdom of God that Paul presents is right on the back of the last few weeks. Why would you take a grievance between two brothers in Christ and take it before the unrighteous? Have you forgotten that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? They have no jurisdiction over you. All you're doing is giving Christians a bad name because... They can't sort out their petty squabbles amongst themselves. They'll be known for their love of one another, but you are known for taking each other to court. Why do you celebrate sin? Why do you boast about being so accepting and tolerant of this man who's sleeping with his father's wife? Don't you know that he will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do you think your tolerance will get him into heaven? All you're doing is offering him a false sense of security in a a grace that forgives him but doesn't change him. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. There are churches... There are denominations that get together and have meetings and they think they can decide what unrighteousness is. There's a significant denomination in this country, in South Africa, that came up with this a couple of years ago. They met in their holy huddle of pastors and leaders and they voted that sex outside of marriage is no longer a sin. So long as both partners live good Christian lives and are committed to each other. And then they added, this applies to both homosexuals and heterosexuals. Do not be deceived. Do you think you get to vote on what is sin and what is not sin? Do you think you get to look at this list and vote on which ones matter and which ones don't? Do you think you can look at this list and decide that that one is 2,000 years old, it's out of context, doesn't matter to the 21st century church? What does Paul say? Why are you deceiving yourselves? Sometimes it's nice living a lie. 
Maybe that lie helps you sleep better at night. But do not be deceived. The unrighteous will not, they cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Heaven is real. Hell is real. You don't get to vote on that. If you got a vote, then God wouldn't be the creator and you wouldn't be his creature. If you think you can dictate terms with God, then you do not serve God. You serve a figment of your imagination. Judgment is real. And if, if that is the path that you choose, do not be deceived. You will burn in hell for all eternity. And you will wish, you will wish your sins kept you up at night. But wait a minute, wasn't, wasn't Paul just a grumpy, bitter old man who twisted all of Jesus' teachings? Wasn't Jesus all about love and inclusiveness and tolerance? Surely Jesus didn't buy into this exclusive stuff. Matthew 5 verse 20, the words of Jesus, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 13, verse 41 to 43. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. Paul did not make this up. He simply echoed what God has been saying all along. A quote from Richard Strauss. God's righteousness or justice is the natural expression of his holiness. If he is infinitely pure, then he must be opposed to all sin. And that opposition to sin must be demonstrated in his treatment of his creatures. When we read that God is righteous or just, we are being assured that his actions toward us are in perfect agreement with his holy nature. From eternity to eternity, the very nature of God, His very character, the core of His being, His righteousness, His holiness, His justice, it stands in contrast to all mankind. It stands in enmity with all that is sinful and fleshly. This is our God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You cannot vote in a change of God's character. Man will change, culture will change, tradition will change, but the character of God from eternity to eternity, it will not tolerate unrighteousness. You can define sin however you want to, but if you are not righteous in the eyes of God, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Who are the unrighteous? None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, no, not even one. All have sinned, all have fallen short of his glory. The kingdom of God is exclusive. How exclusive? In the history of all mankind, there is only one who fulfills the requirements of this exclusive inheritance. Only one, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. My second point, our one hope, only one. Now what's the point of telling you about this exclusive inheritance if there's only one who can get it? 
and you are not that one. This is all some sort of sick joke. (laughs) This is the point. Isaiah 53, verse 10 to 12. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Through the death of one righteous man, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, many shall be counted righteous. He shall bear the sins of many. He who did not deserve death died in our place that we could have life and life eternal. It is by his sacrifice that the wrath of God was satisfied. This is an exclusive inheritance. But we are offered a share in it by the blood of the Lamb. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. This is the good stuff. Paul reminds them, you were also these things. You were also once counted among the unrighteous. Now this isn't some amen, hallelujah thing. Paul is rebuking them here. You should know better. You who knows what it means to be saved, you should know better. You have been transformed by the gospel, you should know better. You who were once slaves to sin but now are free. How do you let sin into the church and act like it's okay? You who were once unrighteous and were given the free gift of salvation, why do you give false hope to these people? Or don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? The average testimony that I hear today is, I grew up in a Christian household, I lost my way for a bit, but then I was saved. And if that's you, then maybe this list of unrighteousness seems a bit far-fetched. But in first century Corinth, there were no Christian households. There was no, no church. The city was a hub of sin and prostitution and idol worship. That was the culture of the day. That was Corinth. Until a man named Paul came along and he told them, Jesus died for your sins. Will you believe? And so some believed, and so there was a church in Corinth. But these, these Christians from Corinth, they never went to Sunday school. They were never brought up on hymns. They hadn't memorized any Bible verses. They came directly from the world into the church. And such were some of you, literally. Last week you were in the temple worshiping the Greek goddess. This week you are part of the church of the living God. You could have walked through this church and pointed them out. Prostitute, drunkard, swindler, homosexual, adulterer, greedy, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. 
washed, sanctified, justified. The Greek tense here being the aorist indicative passive. Now, what, what's that in English? You are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified. These things happened in the past. These things were successfully completed in the past. Through these things, you were the hopeless subject of God's divine intervention. How does Peter put it? 1 Peter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Out of eternity, by God's will and sovereignty and divine intentionality, he would save you from your sins through the death of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. You were washed by the blood. Your sins, once scarlet, now white as snow. You were sanctified. You were chosen from among the dead, set aside for the holy purposes of a holy God. You were made right with God. These things have happened. They have been completed It is finished. Now live like it. And such were some of you. Have you forgotten the depths of your depravity? Do I need to remind you where you come from? You come from a group that we all belong to. All of us were dead in our trespasses. All of us once lived according to the passions of our flesh. Even me, even Paul. If you continue in your sin... Do you think you are testifying to an endless grace that needs no fruit? You are not. You are testifying to all those around you that you're not saved to begin with. You want to call yourself a Christian? Act like it. An exclusive inheritance attained only by those who have been washed, who have been sanctified, who have been justified by the blood of the Lamb, our only hope, Jesus Christ. What about your brother, you ask? He's just a little more sensitive than other men. He's gentle, he's kind, he wouldn't hurt a fly. What about him? You're telling me he won't go to heaven? Has God no pity on his gentle soul? Has he been washed? Has he been sanctified? Has he been justified? And if you claim that he has, why does he continue in his sin? What about my uncle, you ask? His wife left him, his children hate him. He lost his job in his anguish, he turned to the drink. What about him? Is there space in heaven for him? Does God not understand the pressures of life? Will God have no pity on his troubled soul? Has he looked to Jesus? Has he been washed? Has he been sanctified? Has he been justified? And if you claim that he has, why does he continue in his sin? What about your Muslim friend, you ask? She's just following what she believes in. She tries her best. She prays five times a day. What about her? Are you telling me just because she believes in the Muslim God rather than the Christian God? She's not going to heaven? Just because she believes what's written in the Quran rather than what's written in the Bible, she won't go to heaven? Has she been washed? Has she been sanctified? Has she been justified? Does she believe 
that it wasn't a prophet that died on that cross. It was the Son of God. And then none shall go to heaven except those who go through him. What about me, you ask? You look at this list and you claim innocence. You tell me you grew up in the church. You have always believed in God. You're not like the Corinthians. You went to Sunday school. You know your hymns. You know your Bible verses. You have kept yourself for marriage. You're not sexually immoral. You are not an adulterer. You do not practice homosexuality. You are not a thief. You are not greedy. You are not a drunk. You are not a gossip. You have never swindled. And like the Pharisee, you're saying your prayers. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not like other men. I'm not like the extortioners, like the unjust, like the adulterers. I'm not even like that tax collector over there. These are all wonderful feathers that you have in your cap. But have you met my Jesus? Have you looked him in the face and have you felt the ground fall away beneath you? Have you found the end of yourself in the knowledge that your sins are too great for you to bear? Have you been brought to your knees? Do you know? Do you know that despite all these feathers in your cap, you still fall short of the glory of God? Do you know that the sum of all these feathers in your cap are dirty rags against the holiness and glory of the everlasting almighty God? Do you know my Jesus? Does he dwell within you? Have you been washed? Have you been sanctified? Have you been justified? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, this, this word that we hold so dear, Christian, it is not a culture. It's not a bunch of traditions. It's not a bunch of good morals. It's not a worldview. It's not even good theology. It's not a religion. It's not even good community. This isn't some club of like-minded people. Bear with me. See the point of what I'm trying. See the points I'm trying to make. You can have all those things, and some of those things are wonderful. But if Christ does not dwell in you, you are lost. He will not share in the exclusive inheritance. Believer, these words are encouragement to us. It is God's grace that we can look back and say, I have been washed, I have been sanctified, I have been justified. But Paul also meant them as a rebuke. If you really believe that this inheritance is exclusive, why are you content in pretending sin is okay? Why do you waste time legitimizing a Christianity that lets you continue in your sin? If you really believe that there is a great inheritance, a crown of glory, that we will reign without God forever and ever, why do you continue living as the unrighteous who will not inherit the kingdom of God? Unbeliever, this is an invitation. You too may share of this eternal inheritance that awaits us. You too. Look to Jesus. Only he can save you. Only he can wash you. Only he can sanctify you and justify you. Only he. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Outside of him, none shall see the Father. None. 
Outside of Christ, none can receive this eternal inheritance. I invite you, look to him as your Lord and your Savior. And once you've done so, go, go and sin no more. I'm going to close with a brief excerpt from a song. Heaven is a holy place filled with glory and with grace. Sin can never enter there. All within its gates are pure, from defilements kept secure. Sin can never enter there. So if at the judgment bar sinful spots your soul shall mar, you can never enter there. If you hope to dwell at last, when your life on earth is past, in that home so bright and fair, you must here be cleansed from sin. Have the life of Christ within. Let us pray. Lord, it is, it is glorious for the many among us who are Christians to look back and, and testify to what you have done. You have saved us from the depths of our sin. You took what was dead and you made it alive. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. This is a miracle beyond our comprehension. Pray for that miracle even tonight, Lord. If there are those who, who do not believe in you, I pray, wash them, sanctify them, justify them, Lord, according to your will. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.